is up, everybody? This is Hello. Oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna randomly say hello. I'm not gonna give you a warning. I'm not gonna let anything go as planned. I'm here to interrupt. You are here for structure. This is our dynamic. I love that though. I need that. I need that more where I don't plan and I think it makes it better. It keeps everybody on their toes. I mean, I need more planning in my life. So really, we we just balance each other out. Well, uh, if you heard that mix up, you know that it is time for two girls, one murder. I am your co-host, Blair Morgan Reeves. I'm your other co-host, Eleni. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's our fun little game that we've been playing with each other. Um, the intros are always fun, I feel like. Um but yeah, what's, what's been going on? You had a trip recently upstate, I feel like. Yes, we went to Lake Placid. Josh had a pond hockey tournament. So um, we went upstate for that. We had a little Airbnb and um, he played on like a pond, a frozen pond. How does that work? How do they know it's like safe to skate on? They well, don't wait for somebody to fall in. <laughs> apparently apparently this is like one of the um like this is the tournament that people come to from like canada and like around like the northeast yeah so it's pretty legit and um the ice there like a pro uh hockey player oh oh yeah oh yeah basically oh yeah the ice is very thick um we also had visited like it's it's an ice castle so they make a castle out of ice blocks Yes, I've seen this and I've been meaning yes. to go. It's just like a little bit farther away when you don't it's have a far. car. So I haven't like made the logistics yet, but um, I know what yeah. you're talking about. And that looks beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think that's what like made me feel confident in the skating on the ice. Cause you see how thick these, these blocks are that were used to make the castle. They didn't make the blocks of ice. They like cut them out of the water. Um, okay. There was like... <laughs> One of the blocks of ice had like frozen fish in it. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out. Yeah. They did but not. It was they cool. had frozen was- fish in there. It's frozen fish. <laughs> out. Two fish in there. It was fucking great. That was the funniest <laughs> part of it. So funny. That's epic. I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. Um, I did not watch him play because his games were very, very early in the morning. And also it was like zero degrees. Um, and there was nowhere for spectators to really watch. Mm-hmm. Um, don't mind me. I'm eating a cheese stick on the air. Oh, a cheese girl. I wish I had a cheese stick. Mm. A cheese mm. stick. It's good. It's a good choice, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was a great, it was awesome. I'm not like a fan of winter. Honestly, I hate winter. I really do. Yeah, we've talked. I about like that. summer. I, I love the winter. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say love. I'm just more of. A, see, I I'm not a summer girl because I sweat so much. It's like okay. so unenjoyable for me to be sweating out so much. Yeah, I just I when I sweat, I want it to be because I'm working my ass off, like <laughs> workout, not when I'm going to the office trying to look cute. Like <laughs> I hear you. That's my only thing. And it's, it's probably mostly because I don't have a car, you know, to like just hop into and cool. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have any way to stay not sweaty. I'm just constantly in, in a state of sweat. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. But that makes sense to me. I like 
tanning and laying out and going for my walks. I do love a pool though. And if I had a pool, I'd probably love the summer. I am obsessed with swimming and I do love an outdoor pool moment. So I'm, you're going to have to come with me over the summer. Um, my parents belong to a country club and they have a really nice pool and they have a snack bar and I go there tanning with my mom. So maybe one day when we, we do a record, you'll come here and we can go to the pool. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to do that every day. Now that I know that that's an option. Oh yeah, girl, you can move over here for the summer. I'm going to move to Long Island for the summer just to use Eleni's pool. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, because of that, I didn't really go out, um, much during that weekend. I stayed in the Airbnb, which I was totally fine with. And, um, Josh tried to get me to go ice skating on the Olympic speed skating rink, but I wasn't a fan of that. I'm a real party pooper. I'm not an ice. I don't, I can't do anything on the ice. I don't like no. to fall. And I, okay. I thank God. Okay. Yeah, Cause no, I was my... really feeling like a Debbie downer and he's no. like, I'll hold you. I'll hold you. I'm like, no, I don't want to crack my ankle. I don't want to fall. I don't want to do it. So we were on for about five seconds and then we left. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. That's not my vibe either. Rollerblading, any of that. I can't do any of that. I wish it looks really cool, but it's just Same. you're lucky. I can get on two skis and go down a mountain at all. So like, yeah, I'm that's not, pretty good. Not bad, but you know, I'm not the ice for some reason. I think my legs just feel like I, I'm not in control and hundred percent. That's how I feel when I ski too. I don't like to go super fast. We've talked about this. I like to just have fun. I don't need to go on some crazy black diamond level. I just want to be in control. I don't want to be out of control when I'm trying to do something fun. I don't want to be thinking like, Oh, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. Yes. So I'm big fan of that. I also understand you not getting up early to go to Josh's thing. Um, I don't force Kyle to go to any of my little races that I go to. It's not like I'm in first place or anything like crushing records. So it's not a big deal, but (laughs) my races are also usually, you know, like at like 8am, which means I have to leave here by like seven, depending on where it is. I have to leave pretty early, which means I'm getting up relatively early and it's in those winter months. It's been super cold. So, and you know, he's not running, so he's going to be what standing. I'm going to have him come and stand out in the freezing cold in cheer me on for two seconds. And then like, right. Like, what is he supposed to do? It just doesn't make any sense. So I haven't like forced him to do that. Um, so I totally understand not wanting to be a spectator at some of those cold events. It doesn't, how is it running in the cold? It's not as bad as I thought. Um, so the last race that I did was my first 10 K. Um, amazing. Just six miles. Which amazing. Is, we're going to get into that in a second, but to answer your question, Um, I actually got there super early because I had to pick up my number. I wasn't able to go get it, um, during the week, which is a bummer. Usually you want to pick it up at the New York Roadrunners, um, headquarters beforehand. You get your like t-shirt and you know, your number before the rate, any race, and then you're like ready to go and you show up. So I had to get there super early. And then, um, I was like, well, let me see if I can find like a, a Starbucks or something. Cause I was like, I, it was like two hours before the race. So I was like, wow, I that's kind of, that's, that shit makes me scared. Like that leading up to it stuff, like getting your badge and stuff. Like I'd be shitting bricks. Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, you don't want to be freezing. So I was like, let me, I went to a Starbucks. So it killed time for me to walk over to the Starbucks. And then I got tea and I can't just suck down a hot tea. I need, it needs <laughs> to cool off. So I got to like have that. I got to feel like more set up and just be like, okay, you're going to do this uh, thing. <laughs> you're going to do this really scary thing. 
and then go race. And my hands were probably the worst part. I need to get better mm. gloves, I think. Um, they eventually warmed up. Like once you're running, like I wore yeah. the just the right amount. I had like uh, heat tech leggings and a heat tech shirt from Uniqlo underneath me. So like my body felt good. And because you wear a face mask, you know, when I'm on the subway, I wear one and then you're supposed to wear one. Like when you're all corralled together, cause it's thousands of people that are right. corralled in these like lanes. Not everybody does, which is fine. I don't really give a shit, but I kept it on to, because it was keeping my face warm. Cause it's like protecting your hell. Yeah. Face from, I would think like wind burn and shit like that too. Yeah, exactly. So, and like help to have all these like different layers on. And then I just tried to like, you know, obviously the walking back kind of warmed me up. And then I had about 15 minutes where I like found my little spot and just kind of did like, you know, you do some like squats or you try to do some random things that are in place. Um, yeah to keep yourself warm. That's what people normally do. Uh, some psychopaths, they like run beforehand. I like watch them <laughs> like run or I know such freaks. I mean, that's probably what you're supposed to do, but <laughs> those are pros. And I'm like, wow, what weirdos like running before <laughs> a six mile race. Um, and after like the, the real pro pro people, they do that when these, they, this is like a very short race to them. Well, yeah. Some people can run like 10 miles. No problem. Yeah. And so they, you know, these smaller races, that are a big deal to me are like literally nothing. So they run around, like they lap, not lap you, but they'll go in like the reverse order. And I'll see like, you know, people in the A group or the B group, like running back the opposite way. And I'm like, okay, so you guys finished a while ago <laughs> and I'm still going, but um, yeah. So anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I, it's called a race. It's not really a race for me. Cause I'm in the back, but it is, you can like, you know, uh, they do track your times and there are people like, you know, it, it helps you apply for the New York city marathon, which is run by New York Roadrunners. They're this like organization in New York and they have races in all the boroughs and you kind of, they have them. And then you, if you do a certain amount of these races, you qualify for, uh, the marathon and stuff like that, which is why a lot of people do them, but they're also just fun. And like, it's a really sick community of people like in a good way. <laughs> I didn't know that you had to do these like mini races in order to qualify for a marathon. I didn't know that. I think it it's, I think you can still get in other ways. Cause obviously people that are in the marathon don't do the races in New York. Cause there are people okay. that don't live here that come and do the marathon. There's people from other countries, but I think you have to still be doing like other races, you know, they need to see like your times or something like that. Like there are things you have to do. You have to apply. You don't just get into the marathon and pay a fee and like get in. Yeah. Um, so I think for most people that are based in New York, they do the nine plus one program. And I think the plus one is they volunteer, at one of the races, we've, there's tons of volunteers that hand out water and food and like make the race actually happen. And those people are typically runners that are like, you know, just doing it to get that, that Interesting. piece of the qualification. Okay. Yeah. So not like I'm trying to do the marathon, but I got into this because <laughs> a former coworker of mine, um, she's a runner and would run in the marathon. And again, because you need to go to these races. She was like, Hey, I have like a 5k coming up. Like I've got the bib and the shirt, you know, you don't have to pay for anything. Can you just run in my place? Which you're not supposed to do. But, um, she was like, can you just run in my place so that I get the, you know, the, the 
credit for it. And that's how I got started in it. Like where I was like doing these little races. I was like, oh, it's kind of fun to like do a 5k every once in a while. I wasn't super serious about it. I wasn't like training. It was really hard. A 5k was really hard for me. Um, but now that I'm in a lot better shape, um, and one of my goals is to be more of a runner. I've signed up for these 10 K races, which to me is the next step I've done four miles before. And like I said, I've done a bunch of five Ks, but six miles is a lot. And this race was in central park, which people forget New York is very hilly. Um, so there's some big Hills in central park. Um, wasn't sure how I was going to do, but, um, I just kind of went in being like, I'm not going to have any expectations. I'm just going to go for it. I don't care if I walk half the time or more than half the time, I'm just going to try it. Chances are I'm going to get there and feel the energy of everybody around me and go further than I thought. But I was like, you know, it'd be great. I was like, it'd be awesome if I made it at least four miles without stopping because that's what I've done before. So I was like, that was kind of going in with no expectations. And then I don't know like how it happened. I don't know if it was my endurance runs I've been doing on the treadmill where it's more about just keeping a slow, steady pace when you're doing these longer runs. But I just kept focusing on that. I wasn't like breathing super heavy. I wasn't sprinting. Like normally you get so caught up in following people that are faster than you when you're with thousands of other people. It's really easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just kept my pace. And afterwards, I could not believe how amazing my legs felt. I felt like refreshed. Oh, it was, it was the most incredible experience this, this 10 K and I'm like really hyping it up. Cause I, I guarantee I'm going to do the next one. It's going to be like absolute hell, but this was like such a wild, uh, experience in the sun. We watched the sun come up. Um, like I said, you're with thousands of people and it's a very like supportive community. People that do finish way ahead of you stick around and cheer other people on, mm. um, so it's really cool uh, to be able to do that and just be able to like pop down and run 10 miles in Central Park. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that's awesome. Definitely like a something like that is it's an interesting experience because you're pushing yourself and you're surrounded by other people that are pushing themselves and it becomes like a solidarity thing and it's motivational and inspiring. And I mean, they call it a runner's high for a reason, you know, at the end you get that high and it just feels amazing. So I'm sure the next one you do will feel similar to that. Yeah. Or at least just builds up my confidence a little bit where I'm like, okay, well, you've done this before. Right. Still go in with no expectations. It's totally fine if I do another 10K and I can't go without running or, or right. go without, you know, stopping to walk. Like that's fine if I do need to do that, but just focusing on stay in your lane. You're here for yourself. You can cheer other people on and like, you know, root for other people, but you got to listen to yourself and what's going on with you. And yeah, so that was like really fun. And like you said, that was the first time I think that I think that was a runner's high that everybody talks about. And I've never felt that before because I was so gassed and wasn't prepared for any yeah. type of running. <laughs> I was just not a runner. So it's crazy to um when you do something like that after like working out consistently for a while or just like doing something for a while, and then you finally do this thing and you're like, oh, that's paying off. Like finally all that hard work. That's the cool part of it too, is that it's, it's tied into the other stuff that you've been doing consistently for yourself. And you're seeing that, that result in your body's performance. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. So, um, 
Yeah. So thanks for being so excited about it. Cause you reached out to me when I posted about it and you were, you know, so excited and it was awesome to have that support. Like, after. Oh, hell yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cause I can't even imagine I am the furthest thing from a runner. And I think that, um, that's just such a huge feat. Cause I know you've really been like training and conditioning yourself for that. So it's always exciting for me to see my friends, uh, fruits of their labor. It's really cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that and all that support. I loved it. Of course. All right. Shall I get into my murder? I think it's time to get to our main true crime murder selves and our topic at hand. <laughs> the main event. Although honestly, I could, I could do this podcast and just talk about random shit with you. Oh, like <laughs> easily any conversation we have, we can just meet up anytime and just chat for hours and record that yes. and call that a podcast. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right. Today, my murder is going to be, um, following the man named Mark David Chapman, who is also known as the guy who murdered former Beatle John Lennon. Whoa, Lenny, do you know how much I love the Beatles? I do not, but tell me Holy how no. much. Um, they were my number one artist for that wrapped that Spotify really? thing for last year. Yeah, 100%. Oh, shit. Like, I listened to at least one Beatles song a day, probably. Oh, um, I like the Beatles. I don't listen to them that often. There was that movie that had come out a while ago. Get back. But- what was it called? Get Back. Is that the one you're thinking of? They've had several, so it's hard to remember. I don't know. It was like, cent- maybe it was called Hey Jude or something. Maybe it was centered around that. Oh, was that the one with the heart? I think so. Heart graphic? Yeah, because that one was a while ago, but I watched that one too. And it was like all Beatles music, but like remade like in the movie. Yeah, like into a story. Yeah. Um, I loved that. That that made me feel con- more connected to their music. And then I did like dive into their music a little bit more. I feel like I would like to listen to the Beatles more um, in the summer. <laughs> They're like summer vibes. They're, they're a good summer vibe for sure. And I just the reason I love them is because I have a childhood connection with them. Um, so quick sidetrack story. Um, when I was I'm the oldest of three. And so that meant that, you know, I was in different school at different times than my brother and sister. You know, I was like going Mm -hmm. off to first grade before they were, and I was at a different school than they were. So my dad would take me to school. And that was one of our connections was music. Like that's the one thing he like shares. That's why I love classic rock so much. Like I grew up on that. So we would listen to the Beatles all the time because it's a good one you can put on for kids. You know, it's uh, appropriate and also like fun And yeah, they just have so many different styles throughout their time as a band. Um, So I'm, I'm can't believe I'm like blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm so pumped that we're doing this today. Hell yeah. All right. I'm excited too. I'm I'm glad this was a good one. I had this one, like I had made a couple of like a list of a couple of different ones I wanted to do and this was on it. So here we go. Okay. Mark David Chapman was born on May 10th, 1955 in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, His father was a staff sergeant in the Air Force and his mother was a nurse. 
um, as a boy, he he said that he really just kind of lived in fear of his father. He said that his dad was abusive towards his mom and um, just unloving towards him. And, you know, his dad was a sergeant. So I guess he was like a little bit hard and strict. And so they didn't have a great relationship. Um, and at a young age, he started to fantasize about having godlike power over a group of imaginary little people that lived in the walls of his bedroom. Uh oh. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, a little bit of escapism. You know, he's young. Home life is stressful. The godlike thing, little concerning, but he's young. (laughs) So maybe he's like feeling like he needs some control in his life, whatever. Um, By the time that he was 14, Chapman had started like using drugs, skipping classes. He ran away from home and lived on the streets for two weeks. Um, And he was generally like bullied at school for not really being the best athlete. So he he was like a little bit troubled. I think that, you know, another red flag is just starting (laughs) doing drugs at such a young age. Um, Your brain is like so underdeveloped. It's like scary to hear a little kid like that 14 years old doing drugs. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So in 1971, he became a born again Presbyterian and he would distribute biblical tracts. He made his um, he met his first girlfriend, Jessica Blankenship, and they began to work together at a summer camp. And he was a camp counselor. He was very popular with the children. They loved him. They gave him the nickname Nemo. And he was made the assistant director of the program after winning an award for outstanding counselor. People that worked with him were wow, like, oh, OK, yeah, he was he was an which is, I find this all interesting. Like maybe yeah. he connected to kids because he knew what it was like. I don't fucking know. So, um, like you know, the people like you've gone through some trauma and you like want to get into something that helps kids so that yeah. they have that experience, like you can empathize with them more. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So he was good with the kids and the counseling. Um, he, he was actually recommended the book, the catcher in the rye. Have you read that book? I don't remember if I had to read that for school or not. If I did, it was once and I don't remember it. (laughs) Yeah, same, same. I had to read that book for school, but I don't remember shit about it. Um, But actually he, so he read this book and it took on like great significance for him. He got really attached to it to the extent where he wished that he could model his life after the protagonist of the book, Holden Caulfield. Um, So this is something that kind of like sticks with him. This book was like really pivotal, important thing to him. Um, After he graduated high school, he moved for a little bit to Chicago and he played guitar in church. Chicago, let's go. Yeah, baby, hometown. Hometown. Let's go. (laughs) Um, He played guitar in churches and at Christian night, night events and clubs and things like that. Um, he also worked for World Vision, which was like a um, an organization that worked with Vietnamese refugees at a resettlement camp. Wow. Um, he went to Lebanon and, and did work with refugees there. So he was into like religion. He was into helping people and, um, you know, bigger, bigger works like that. He He's also. A good guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. So he got involved with because he was involved with those things like he would meet government officials. He shook hands with President Gerald Ford like this guy was he was doing things. He was doing things. He ended up going with his girlfriend um, to Covenant College. It was an evangelical school, Um, but he 
quickly fell behind in his studies and he really became like obsessed with guilt over having an affair. So he cheated on his girlfriend that he was with for a bit. Um, And because he was obsessing over that, he started having some suicidal thoughts and began to feel like a failure, which led to him dropping out of college um, after only a semester of being there. And then his relationship um, at that point, it had ended. So he, this is when such a good track. And then I know he does like one, one terrible thing, which I get that that's a terrible thing and you should feel guilt for that. But it's unfortunate that he couldn't, you know, just try and like pick up the pieces again and focus on and and move forward. Yeah. Gotta at some point, you know, guilt is really not a, it's really not a productive emotion really isn't it's it's good. I'm glad you like, cause then it makes you like a you know, not a psychopath to feel bad about hurting someone. But yeah, like you said, at some point you have to move on from, from that. It can't weigh you down like that. Exactly. So because he dropped out, he thought that he could return to that resettlement camp. Um, but he ended up getting into an argument with a supervisor and he was let go. He then found work as an unarmed security guard, but eventually um, he moved on to taking a course to qualify for to be an armed security guard in 1977. So at this point, he's around like 22 years old. He moved to Hawaii and this is where he like he just was not feeling hopeful about life he actually made an attempt at suicide by carbon monoxide asphyxiation where he sat in his car and had a tube running from his exhaust to the window but it failed because the tube the hose like had had melted so that's melted how did that happen melted i guess the exhaust was too hot so it melted that tube that's freaky that's mm-hmm. some fate type of shit yeah. I've ever heard it. <laughs> I know. I know. So from a young age, I mean, That's he was feeling young. suicidal from a pretty young age. Um, after this attempted suicide, he, um, he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital for clinical depression. And upon his release, he began working at the hospital, which I find very bizarre. I, I don't know. I find that very bizarre. Like, why are you going to work at the hospital where you were just at for a psych war? I don't know. Very also, bizarre. Why would they allow that? Right. Uh, it seems odd for both parties. I know. I know. Like so bad. after this happened, um, his parents at the same time, they started getting a divorce and his mother happened to join him in Hawaii thinking maybe she could just be like a support for him. They could support each other. Um, In 1978, he's still feeling lost. He's looking for direction in his life. So he decides to go on a six-week trip around the world. And this vacation was really mostly inspired by the film Around the World in 80 Days. This guy is, like, easily influenced and inspired by shit. Like, six weeks sounds pretty dope. Uh, It sounds amazing, but, like, he takes this to a whole new level like He's oh i really extreme. like this book let me start being yeah. like the main character or let me like see this movie oh let me movie. do that yeah. with my life i watched one movie let me travel for six weeks yeah i mean I know. i'm being inspired uh and maybe traveling more throughout your life but that seems uh very extreme to go from watching this movie to be like i need to travel around the world myself yep. 
Exactly. He visited Tokyo, uh, Seoul, Hong yep. Kong, Singapore, Bangkok, Delhi, Beirut, Geneva, London, Paris, and Dublin. He went to a lot of different places in six weeks. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. He actually ended up begin, um, getting into a relationship with his travel agent, who is a Japanese American woman named Gloria Abe, and they got married in 1979. Oh, good for them. So he found <laughs> love. Um, he then returned to the hospital and he got a job as a printer and he was mostly like working alone. He wasn't really interacting with staff. He wasn't really interacting with patients. So it was kind of, I guess, like a safer job, but, um, he was then fired by the hospital because he broke out into an argument with a nurse. So this guy's like breaking out into arguments with his employers and people I mean, how, that he works with. How bad are the arguments? Like, is he getting I mean, violent with them? Because I feel like people have argued and then they don't get fired. It's like you couldn't work it out. That's a pretty bad sign. Like, we it's can't a pretty work bad with- sign. Yeah. yeah, it's a red flag. Yeah. Um, that's the second job that he's like gotten let go of because of arguments. It, I didn't, it didn't say whether or not they got physical, but I don't think so because he had no record like prior to this okay. murder, he had no record. Um, he ended up taking a job as a night security guard, but he began drinking heavily. He developed a series of obsessions, um, including like artwork, the catcher in the rye again, music <laughs> and the musician, John Lennon specifically yeah didn't care about the other band members he's like john lennon that's my target <laughs> i mean john had like some... all this is she like you know honey you can't keep getting fired from these jobs i know you love catcher oh. in the rye but there's other but like is she is she stepping in <laughs> she <laughs> you'll you'll see she she does okay. but she also doesn't okay um <sighs> So in September of 1980, he actually wrote a friend to uh, a letter to a friend where he stated in this letter, I'm going nuts. And he signed the letter as the catcher in the rye. So this is part of his identity now, but he's also totally recognized that like he's kind of losing it, which is good. Credit where credit is due. You have some self-awareness. Yeah, it's good. It's good. But I mean, at this point, like if you know you're losing it, boy, like maybe. I don't know. Talk to your wife and like, yeah, get into the hospital again. I don't know. Like there there seems to be options for you. Yeah. So this murder, um, this was premeditated. It wasn't like a random thing. He he pretty much started planning this um, three months before the actual murder happened. he was a longtime fan of the Beatles, and then he turned against Lennon due to a religious com- uh, conversion that he had in his personal life, and also because of Lennon's highly publicized um, comment about the Beatles being more popular than Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously, like, there was not, it wasn't like a we're better than Jesus. It was no. just like everybody knows us and recognizes us, whereas not everybody recognizes was, Jesus. Yeah, and I don't think he was serious either i think he was just like you were really fucking popular like you know how funny is it like you know exactly exactly yep and chapman um he was part of a prayer group and some members of his prayer group had made a joke in reference to lennon's song imagine that said imagine if john lennon was dead like oh no that doesn't sound like very prayer groupy but that's when those things happen though let's be honest for a second (laughs) That's where that is where the assassinations are planned and murders happen are in these prayer groups. 
do not be fooled. Those are not good people <laughs> that spend all their time at prayer and with extreme, with extreme, extreme like beliefs. It's yeah, it's- it gets it gets to where it's too much. And then yeah, they start joking about killing people, which uh you shouldn't be doing if you're in a prayer group, you freaks. And it wasn't like a, a you know, a typical prayer group. They they were more they were more culty. Like they said, this wasn't like a, a, a stereotypical, yeah, like you know, church religious group. It was, you know, it was beyond that. It was a little bit beyond that. Um According to his wife, Gloria, he was really angry that Lennon would preach about love and peace, but had millions of dollars. Um, Chapman even later had said that he told us to imagine no possessions. And there he was with millions of dollars and yachts and farms and country estates laughing at people like me who had believed the lies and bought the records and built a big part of their lives around his music. I mean, it's it's a fair thing to think about. Um, you know, yeah, like it's one of those things where actions speak louder than words. I don't know if Lennon was also doing any type of like charitable donations and stuff. I have no problem with people getting rich as hell. I don't have a problem with that, but yeah, I do understand the getting upset with, um, you know, someone like, yeah, talking about how they want to, you know, be in a world where we're all equal and, there aren't any poor people. And then, yeah, he's making a ton of money because he's a musician and that's, we pay for that. We like, you know, we pay the musicians well. So I get that. It's frustrating when um, people talk the talk, but don't walk that walk, you know? Right. Right. I mean, and I mean, on, on the other end of it, like this guy is, it's hard to not it's such a fine line. It's hard to not fault the celebrities for that, but like, okay, this guy's message is getting out to millions of people and it's a good message. And if people relate and connect, you know, fine, nice. It's not his, it's not necessarily his fault that people are paying money and and he's reaping some benefit from it. It just kind of is how, how these kinds of things work. Um, But yeah, I get it. I mean, hopefully he was philanthropic, philanthropic. I don't know. I don't know if he was. Yeah. It's also Um, like not, it's not his job to like also be like after being a musician like also be in charge of fixing all those problems that he's talking about right right um you can have that like idealistic view of like how you would want the world to be and also still make millions of dollars and like i don't know i just i see both i see both i understand why he would say that and get frustrated but it's like like you said what do you want john lennon to do like right that's, that's what we do here we pay we pay musicians and celebrities a shit ton of money. I don't know what you want. <laughs> I know. I don't buy the record. I don't know. Then <laughs> boycott the artist. But he like he he loved the Beatles. He was listening. He was buying their records and he was listening um, to the, his solo albums for like weeks leading up to his murder. He even says I would listen to his music and I would get angry at him for saying in the song God that he didn't believe in God, that he just believed in him and Yoko and that he didn't believe in the Beatles. This was another thing that angered me, even though this record had been done at least 10 years previously. I just wanted to scream out loud. Who does he think he is saying these things about God and heaven and the Beatles saying that he doesn't believe in Jesus and things like that. At that point, my mind was going through a total blackness of anger and rage. So I brought the Lennon book home into this, the catcher in the rye milieu where my mindset is holding Caulfield and I'm anti phoniness. 
Man, Yoko Ono added again, being at the bottom of every issue that the Beatles had. Yeah, yeah. Had to make that, you know, joke. But um, yeah, kind of hilarious that he mentions her. I know, I know. So at this point, he's like, he's just deeply upset. He's very religious and he feels like John Lennon is anti-religion, thinks that he's better than God. And that's probably not the message. But I mean, this guy also seems to be really struggling with mental illness. So he's, you know, seeing everything through this lens. And and it seems he's projecting some of his pain onto um, John Lennon over here. Taking it personal. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, so actually a little fact is on the day of the murder, singer David Bowie was appearing on Broadway in the play The Elephant Man. And um, he had said that I was second on his list. Chapman had a front row ticket to The Elephant Man the next night. John and Yoko were supposed to sit front row for that show too. So the night after John was killed, there were three empty seats in the front row. And I can't tell you how difficult that was to go on. I almost didn't make it through the performance. So, I mean. Holy shit. Yeah. Poor David this, Bowie. This guy, like, he had a list of people that he was gonna kill, that he was gonna murder. It wasn't really, like, specifically John Lennon he basically the only criteria was you had to be famous he just hated famous people why did why did he hate David Bowie what did David Bowie do to him he was rich I guess rich and famous that's the only criteria uh-huh. he he was ready to kill a couple of people he had a couple of people on his list Johnny Carson Elizabeth Taylor um first lady Jacqueline Kennedy no wait wait a second how does committing murder fit into your whole religious beliefs? If you yeah. commit murder, isn't that the greatest sin to take a life? Yeah. I'm confused. I'm, I'm confused. confused. <laughs> I'm confused as well. <laughs> so, oh, he wanted to kill some some big people. He wanted to kill some big people. Elizabeth Taylor, Ronald Reagan, like. He had some big people on his list, but really it was, it just came down to like convenience. Like who was the first person he could really just get access to. That's wild. Again, fate playing yep. a role. <laughs> yep. So in 1980, he actually traveled to New York um, intending to kill Lennon, but he had left to obtain ammunition. Um, and he decided to come back around like November, December. During his October trip, though, he said that he was inspired by the film Ordinary People to stop his plan. So I guess something in that movie, like, again, with movies (laughs) and books, like really attaching himself, he, he felt like, all right, maybe I don't need to murder this guy. He returned to Hawaii and he told his wife that he had been obsessed with killing Lennon. Oh, my God. Yep. Best to having these thoughts. Yep. He told her he showed her the gun. He showed her the bullets, but she did not tell the police and she did not inform mental health services. Why lady? What is wrong with you? I don't know. And Chapman uh, later said that there was the message thou shall not kill had flashed on the television at him and was on a wall hanging that his wife put up in their apartment. So she's like, you know what? Maybe let me just hang up this sign here that says, let's not kill people, honey. And hopefully that will be enough to stop. We'll just serve this as a reminder that this is the Ten Commandment. Hopefully (laughs) you'll follow it. Yes. He made an appointment actually to see a psychologist, but he didn't end up going to the appointment. 
Hmm. He flew back to December uh, to New York on December 6, 1980. And at one point he considered ending his own life by jumping off the Statue of Liberty. So he was like in turmoil at this point. It's all he over was the place. Well. Yeah, yeah. He's thinking about killing himself. He wants to kill other people. He's conflicted about his religion. Clearly um, he was. Yeah, and he, he also like lot. wanted to get psychiatric help, but like decided not to like he was torn on that end, too. I mean, he was just in the throes of of mental illness clear clearly yeah um december 7th the chapman had accosted singer james taylor at the 72nd street subway station according to taylor the guy had sort of pinned me to the wall and was glistening with maniacal sweat and talking some freak speak about what he was going to do to his stuff and how john lennon was interested and how he was going to get in touch with john lennon he also reportedly offered cocaine to a taxi driver um he talked to his his wife on the phone that night and said that he really does need to get help with his problems by first working on his relationship with God. So he's just like a mess. He's a mess yeah. at this point. He's unwell. He's oh, oh the definition of <laughs> unwell. Um, December eighth, the the day of my birth. But a little stop bit it. Of, Is it really? Yeah, December eighth. That's my birthday. Oh my God. How wild. I know Chapman uh, left his room at the Sheridan hotel, leaving personal items behind that he had wanted the police to find. He bought a copy of the catcher in the rye in which he wrote, this is my statement. And he signed it. Holden Caulfield, like a fucking nut job. <laughs> he thinks he's Holden Caulfield. <laughs> oh Lord almighty. Yeah. That is not okay. <laughs> no. Then he spent the uh, most of that day just kind of hanging around the entrance to the Dakota apartment building. That's where John Lennon lived. Um, He was talking to fans, talking to the doorman. Earlier in the morning, Chapman um, actually missed seeing Lennon step out of a cab and enter the Dakota apartment building. But later he had met with uh, Lennon's housekeeper who was returning from a walk with Lennon's five-year-old son. Chapman reached out in front of the housekeeper and shook Sean's hand and said, what a beautiful boy, quoting Lennon's song beautiful boy creepy oh that's so creepy she, he's like in his mind like i'm gonna kill your dad i'm about to kill your daddy freaky freaky um at around 5 p.m lennon and his wife yoko ono the one and only the one and ono <laughs> the infamous <laughs> 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 they were leaving the Dakota for a recording session. Um, and as they walked to, to their limo, without even saying a word, Chapman held out a copy of Lennon's album and asked him to sign it. And Lennon just thought nothing of it. He thought just thought he was a fan. So he actually right. autographed the album. There was a paparazzi, a photographer that had actually caught a picture of it. I have to see if I could find it because that would be kind of cool. That'd be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he just kind of like hung around. So that was at 5 p.m. And this guy just hung around until John Lennon came back from the recording studio at 10.50 p.m. Um, he returned in the limousine. They got out of the vehicle, passed, walked past Chapman, and then walked toward the archway entrance of the building. And from the street, Chapman fired five hollow point guns from a 38 special revolver four of which hit Lennon in the back and shoulder puncturing his left lung and left subclavian artery he shot five guns or five bullets five bullets oh my god five bullets he shot at him uh, struck him four times um 
he didn't say anything to him. He just kind of shot him in the back, which is fucked. Cowardly. Um, and then he just chilled out. He just stayed there at the scene and appeared to be reading The Catcher in the Rye when the NYPD arrived to arrest him. Um, oh, unreal. Yeah. The, the cops decided not even to call an ambulance when they saw John Lennon there. They knew he was oh, like shit. in really like severe need of help so they drove him in a squad car to the hospital but he was pronounced dead upon arrival um and then three hours later chapman told the police i'm sure the big part of me is holden caulfield who's the main person in the book and a small part of me must be the devil wow Mm -hmm. what a freak freak is right what how are we doing on time do we need to take a break are we good to keep going what are your thoughts it's up to you. Maybe we should. Maybe this is a good place to take a break. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll be back. Enjoy listening to the Two Girls, One Murder podcast. Show us some love on our Instagram by liking and commenting on our posts. Search Two Girls, One Murder. That's girls with a U in the search bar. Got a comment or feedback for us to improve the pod? Send us an email to two girls, one murder at gmail.com. That's girls with a U. Thanks for your support. All right, we are back. Okay, so now we're moving on to the legal process here. Um, He was, Chapman was charged with second degree murder and he told the police that he intentionally used hollow point bullets to ensure Lennon's death. So he right off the bat was like, yeah, I wanted to kill him. Like I made sure to take measures. The intent was there. (laughs) Yes. Um, Gloria Chapman, his wife, said that she had known of his preparations for killing Lennon but she took no action because he didn't follow through at the time. When he originally went in October, he was like, nah, you know what? Probably not. I, I don't think I'll do it. So she just didn't think that he's going to be in trouble as well. You would think, but nothing happened to her. Chapman yeah. later said that he harbored, harbored a deep-seated resentment towards his wife that she didn't go to somebody, even the police, and say, look, my husband's bought a gun and he said he's going to kill John Lennon. So he was pissed at his wife for not ratting him out. <laughs> for not doing anything. For like right. literally not. How dare she? What's wrong with her? <laughs> I mean, there is something wrong with her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely something wrong with her. But, but also, like, he's not the one that should be upset. <laughs> right sir you in uh because she's your wife and probably thought you were fine which is a mistake on her part but you don't have the right to be mad at her everyone else has the right to be mad at her exactly and i think there's something where it's like if your spouse commits a crime they can't make you testify against them i think there's something so maybe maybe this is part of why she really just didn't get into trouble in trouble i don't know um but so they had to do a mental state assessment before they really like took him to trial he was assessed by more than a dozen psychologists and psychiatrists they interviewed him six months up leading up to the trial um Three of them were for the prosecution. Six of them were for the defense and then several more just on behalf of the court. Um, They did a whole bunch of procedures, 200 hours of clinical interviews, and they all said that he was psychotic. Five of them diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. Um, People also felt like he had maybe like manic depression. Mm. Um, And then others said that he had delusions, but they weren't really like enough to say that he was psychotic. So instead they just diagnosed him with various personality disorders, but I mean, he's got some serious shit going on. Yeah. Um, 
one psychiatrist really said that he did not wish to be considered crazy and was persuaded that defense experts only declared him insane because they were hired to do so. So Chapman was like, I'm not crazy. I know exactly what I was, I was doing. This is just something that you're trying to say, but I'm not crazy. Like he, he said that God told him to murder John Lennon no, because of these messages. Get out of yeah. here. <laughs> Um, there was a pastor of Chapman's that had belonged to his church that he had actually visited Chapman and spoken to him. And he had said that he, he thinks there was a demonic power at work. Um, but really it just boils down to, yeah, yeah. I mean, Chapman, he He said he was unwell. That's what it was. He's unwell, a hundred percent unwell. He said that God told him to do it. And he also said that he had killed Lennon to promote the reading of the catcher in the rye. It all comes back to this fucking book. <laughs> I, might need to I think that. everybody should take this book out at the library. So in order to make you to do that, I'm going to kill John Lennon. Let's see how that does. I might actually pick this book up and read it. I think I actually want to, too, because this I'm very curious. You know what? I guess the whole idea of Holden Caulfield is that he's anti-phony, anti-phoniness. And Chapman really felt like John Lennon was a phony. Wow. And he felt like all famous people were phonies, which fair. (laughs) Yeah. So um, his coin, his court appointed lawyer, Herbert Herbert. I can't speak today and it's fine. I never so am able to go. speak. So you're allowed one day. <laughs> where... I think I'm having like a stroke or something. I don't know. Um, his court appointed lawyer actually withdrew from the case because he was receiving uh, death threats, which like, okay, John Lennon was murdered. So there's tons of people who are fans of John Lennon, tons of people who are fans of the Beatles. This was devastating. This was a devastating loss for the world. And so people fucking hate this guy. And they were threatening the lawyer who was defending him because they're like, fuck you. This guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, They actually thought they were afraid that fans were going to storm the psychiatric hospital that he was in. So they transferred Chapman to Rikers Island for his personal safety. Um, This must have been before the current Rikers. Yeah. I don't know if he'd be considered safe at Rikers currently. His at the initial hearing um, in 1981, Chapman's new lawyer had instructed him to enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. So they were trying to really get him to go for the. Yeah, they were trying to get him to go for that. But Chapman sent a handwritten statement to the New York Times, urging everyone to read The Catcher in the Rye, (laughs) calling it an extraordinary book that holds many answers. Um, Chapman said that he wanted to drop the insanity defense and to plead guilty. Like he wanted to plead guilty. As he, he should. Yes. 1000%. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He objected, um, you know, with serious, his lawyer objected to this with serious questions over his sanity and really challenged his competence to make this decision. Um, but ultimately the judge who was on, Yep. The judge who was appointed, he, he said that he refused further assessment and Chapman had made the decision of his own free will and declared him competent to plead guilty. He's like, fuck it. Let this guy plead guilty and we'll go from there. Yep. Sentence hearing took place on August 24th, 1981. The district attorney argued that Chapman committed the murder, the murder as an easy route to fame. So he, this guy was like, he just wants to be famous, but like, no, no. 
Um, Chapman was asked if he had anything to say, and he wrote <laughs> to read a passage from The Catcher in the Rye, <laughs> in, in which, I mean, he's really beaten this horse here. Yeah. Where Holden tells his little sister Phoebe what he wants to do with his life. And this is what he says. I keep picturing all these little kids playing some game in this big field of rye and all thousands of little kids and nobody's around. Nobody big, I mean, except me. And I'm standing on the edge of some crazy cliff. What I have to do, I have to catch everybody if they start to go over the cliff. I mean, if they're running and they don't look where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. That's all I do all day. I'd just be the catcher in the rye. So I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> this book is. Insane. I don't understand that. Like, re- whatever. I fine, but fine. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for this guy. Yeah, no. Now the judge ordered psychiatric treatment for Chapman during Good. his incarceration and sentenced him to twenty years to life. Um, he ended up being imprisoned at Attico Correctional Facility outside of Buffalo, New York. He fasted for 26 days as like a way to kind of just, I don't know, I guess rebel. You can do that and not die. I don't know. 26 sounds like a long time. 26 days. I feel like you would die, but the, actually the Supreme court authorized the state to force feed him. Good. Yeah. But also, I mean, at that point, like, why are we, I don't know, like, why are we mandating to force feed someone who's trying to not eat, who's a prisoner? They need to pay the time for the crime. No easy Mm. out. Mm. You don't get to hang yourself from your cell. You're going to sit in that cell. You don't get to starve. Uh -uh. You're going to sit and think about it. Yeah, you're going to sit there and you're going to face your demons. (laughs) (laughs) He refused to sit with other inmates and eat, but he did agree to take liquid nutrients. Um, He was then confined to a special handling unit for violent and at-risk prisoners, mostly uh, due to concern that he would be harmed by other prisoners who were Lennon's fans. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. He ended up working at the prison as a legal clerk and kitchen helper. He was not allowed to attend any workshops um, or do any sort of like charitable work because they were, again, afraid that there was going to be violence towards him. Um, He said that when he went to um, in front of a parole board in 2004, he said that if he were to be paroled, he would immediately try to find a job and would really want to go from place to place, at least in the state, church to church, and tell people what happened to him and point them to the way of Christ, which clearly did not work for him. (laughs) He was allowed, he was part of the uh, family reunion program, and he was allowed one conjugal visit per year with his wife what gross Gross. (laughs) i'll let you fuck your wife once a year even though you killed john lennon um they would put them up for about 48 hours in a prison home and they would get to spend that time together he had other you know random visitors and um for the most part he was like well behaved in in prison nothing really happened to him in there he didn't really do anything in there and then on may 15th 2012 
He was transferred to the Wendy Correctional Facility, which is in East Buffalo. Um, He refused all requests for interviews following the murder. And during his first six years at Attica, later saying that he did not want to give the impression that he killed Lennon for fame and notoriety. Um, I mean, he's still alive as far as I know, just sitting in jail and that's, I mean, his wife has stood by him. They're still married. They're still together. She goes for her annual conjugal visits. <laughs> and that's, that is the story of um, Mark David Chapman, the man who killed John Lennon. It's, it's disappointing that this was, you know, how it, how it had to be. But it, I think a lot of stories where celebrities get murdered, there's, it's usually with by someone who's very unstable and just taking things out on them, you know? Yeah, which, you know, just brings us full circle to mental health and talking about how important that is. And it is unfortunate, especially in this story, that he was aware that he had mental health. Yeah. He wasn't in denial about that and had gotten help in the past and then wanted even more help and just didn't get it. That's really um, unfortunate because in a lot of these circumstances, you can't wait. You need to start seeing help right away to have right. the best chance of him you know, things could have gone so differently if maybe he got help right away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is really unfortunate. It is really sad. Um, and there's so many resources out there, especially now. And there's such a, like, there's so much less of a stigma against mental health and getting help for it now. But I mean, this was back in the eighties. So I guess it was different than yeah. early eighties. I mean, he killed him in 1980. So yeah, I think that, you know, it was just, it was just a really shitty circumstance and uh, catcher in the rye, man. Let me tell you, <laughs> this made a big to, debut. I think we might need to pick up uh, our own copy and read this for ourselves. I I'm think really so. inspired to pick that up if it made uh, him this passionate, but wild. wow, what a great story. I loved, I loved all of that. Nice. Um, I did too. It was interesting. I definitely was not, um. I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't even know this guy's name. I obviously knew that John Lennon was murdered and shot, but I didn't know anything about the story or, or why it happened. So this was kind of cool to unload some of this. Yeah. I love that. Well, as we wrap up this episode, we are going to dive in to our closing segment, which for this episode is going to be a this or that. I think that's what we've been calling them. We've done one before for Valentine's Day. I love these. <laughs> I literally just find these cards that you can buy on Etsy, on Etsy um, and I just read them off to Eleni, and uh, <laughs> she tells me her thoughts on them. Um, this one is called the Silly Edition. Yes. Uh, it's kind of funny. So we'll just go through them, and maybe if you want to, if you have a passionate response to why you're picking one or the other, maybe you can say that, but are you ready for this? I was born ready for this or that. <laughs> All right, here we go. First up, have hiccups for the rest of your life or always be itchy? <gasps> itchy. Oh, really? You'd be itchy? Yeah. I don't think I could. Well, I was going to say you can't really sleep with both. This is a tough one. Mm, and my hiccups are pretty painful. I thought this was going to be easy and I was going to pick hiccups, but hiccups are so disruptive. That's yeah. I feel like they would jolt me awake and I'd be embarrassed to be like anywhere, like, and just hiccuping. Uh, Maybe you'll get used to the itch after a while. Hmm, Mm, That's a tough, maybe (laughs) that is not ideal in any situation. 
Um, let's see. Never be able to use shampoo again or never use toothpaste again. Fuck. Now this one I'm thinking, okay, toothpaste, but I've got mouthwash, right? Mouthwash. You got floss. You got gum. You could are, I need to have clean teeth, but my hair can't, I can't want, I can't go a day without washing it. So thin it gets so oily. Like I need shampoo. Can't give that up. Yeah, no, I think I need shampoo as well. Yeah. So that was, we could, we could go without the toothpaste. There's other options. Um, let's see. Only have one eye on the front of your head <laughs> or have two eyes on the back of your head. <laughs> the question is, is the one eye centered? Because I could get behind the one eye if it was centered because then I can still have good peripheral. But if I have like, let's say I have this eye and my nose is blocking that direct, mm. like that would be tough. But, but if then you're centered, a cyc- oh, then you're a cyclops versus it being behind then i've got to shave my head for my eyeballs (laughs) all right no you're right and then imagine imagine me right now i have no eyes i have a nose and a mouth and my eyes are in the back of my head that's (laughs) and also my body is going i have to essentially you feel true backwards because your eyes are in the back of your head so true you definitely like freak some people out though if you had your eyes on the back of your head that and i I think you could make the one eye a trend. I think that could be a plastic <gasps> surgery trend that people would pick up. Like you could make it cool and people would, I think it would be the next hot fashion trend is to only have one eye. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I'm with the one eye in the front. These are truly silly because the next one is have 20 fingers or 20 toes. <laughs> oh, one or the other. Yeah. You're going to have 20 toes. I feel like fingers, the more, more things I could do with my hands. I don't, why would I need 20 toes? What's that? Yeah, plus do? then it's gonna fuck up like your shoe sizing. I'm I'm with you on the fingers. Yeah, more fingers for jewelry, if anything, you know. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, be as small as an ant or as tall as a skyscraper. Ant. Yeah, this one's tough for me. I was thinking it'd be cool to be super tall, but I'm scared of heights. And everybody would see you coming. And I kind of like the idea as an antisocial person of just being able to like crawl in a corner and I can just like see what people are doing, you know, be a little spy, <laughs> but like nobody has to know I exist. You know? Yes. I'm super strong as an ant. So I think I ants be- are strong for their, for their size. Yeah, I think I'd be, <laughs> sorry, I'm reading ahead to the next one and it's got me giggling. Um, dress like a leprechaun every day or dress like a fairy every day. <laughs> I think this one's also obvious. Uh, fairy. I'm doing a fairy too. Yeah. Why on earth would I want to be a leprechaun? Uh, <laughs> okay. Be a superhero or be a villain. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> I know this is tougher than I thought. This is tough only because I feel like in um, my normal life, I do a lot of like things to help people. So it might be fun to be a villain. That's a good, that's a good response. Yeah. I like to volunteer and help people and, you know, do things like that in my daily life. But I see my, like, I could see, I feel like I would fit into the villain role so well, like my looks you know, like my, but also the, it's the introverted aspect of it too. Like heroes are very famous. They have a lot of attention. Don't want that. No, yeah, nah, not my vibe. I don't need people relying on me. 
I'll just go and rob no. a jewelry store, call it a day. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, have feathers all over your body or have fur all over your body? Feathers versus fur. Do the feather, I guess we don't know, but I mean, if the feathers allow me to fly, fine. I'm kind of feathers could be useful in like I could use them as a quill to write with them. (laughs) I could use them to tickle people. (laughs) Um, they're soft. They would keep you warm as well, too. Fur is obviously functional for like warmth and shit like that, but like I me being like a summer person, I think I would choose feathers. That yeah, I think I'm I think I would go for fur for the same for the opposite reason. I like the winter time. I a bear is my favorite animal. I could totally, you know, be a bear and be a bear. hibernate and like do all that shit. Just be a, a big cuddly bear. Um, have fur all over my body. Um, <laughs> eat with your feet the rest of your life or walk on your hands for the rest of your life. What the fuck? Well, neither. <laughs> I don't want to do either of those. <laughs> I don't know if I could well, eat my feet. I feel like I cramp up trying to get my leg up to my mouth. <sighs> I can't do a handstand either. I mean, I would be a, a disaster. I have no upper body strength. I couldn't do it. I couldn't physically do using my hands to walk every day. I couldn't I'm, do it. I'm noticing that I'm making my decisions based on like what I think other people would think of me. Oh, um, no, absolutely not. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> thinking of myself. <laughs> I don't care. I'm like, if I'm walking around on my hands, like a crazy person, like that's awkward. That's embarrassing. That people are be like, yo, what the fuck? That draws a lot of attention to myself. Whereas if with eating, like I could potentially eat all the time in private. And there are people that exist in the world that don't have arms and that, do that eat, eat with their feet. feet. chopsticks or something or learn how to use utensils with your toes yeah it's not like common but people have seen it on the internet so i feel like that wouldn't be as much of a shock um if that happened and you need to start doing right um be the richest person in the world or live forever Hmm. Ooh. hmm richest person in the world I'm going to go with that too. As much as I'm like uncertain about death, I haven't made my peace with that. And like, uh, it's a scary thing for me to think about. And I originally would probably say live forever. I feel like if you, it's better to like, just have that money to have all the incredible experiences that you could have, you know, pay for everything for your friends, travel the world, like go everywhere, donate a whole bunch and help people like, you Hell yeah, so make, make the world yeah. a better place. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you could just have like the best life, even if it's not that long, you could have a dope life versus like, you know, if you live forever, you might be like, you know, having the worst life. <laughs> right. Forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah. You're just stuck in an awful cycle. Um, or, well- or, I mean, you have, if you live forever, you do have the opportunity to like learn how to upgrade your life. Cause you have so much time to figure it out. Yeah. And you could go through the cycles of being wealthy and not and learning from that potentially. But then you have to like watch everyone you ever love die. That's what everyone. Yeah. That's what it all comes back to is like you eventually get sick of it and you know, you're like, it's supposed to end. <laughs> it's supposed to die. At yeah. Some point. yeah. Um, this one's tough. Be invisible or be able to fly. 
Ah, I've always wanted to be able to fly. So I think that's the one for me. I think it would be to be invisible. Hmm. Even though I feel like I already kind of am sometimes like I'm not a famous person and like, you know, I live in New York, so it's like, there's a billion people Mm. that live here and nobody's paying attention to me. So it doesn't matter, but I kind of like that idea of like, if I just want to head out somewhere, I'm just like over it. I can just turn invisible. I get the idea of flying, but I get that on a plane and it's kind of terrifying, but maybe because you're in control, it might be better to fly. Yes. I don't know. This one was tough for me to pick one. I don't know. I kind of like the invisibility. Cause again, I can just like bounce and have a truly Irish uh, exit and just disappear. <laughs> you could travel wherever you want if you're invisible because you could just get on the plane and no one will see you. No one will see me. I could go into like places that are like closed, you know, yes. um, and have the place to myself and not get in trouble. Um, but then I'm getting into a dangerous territory of being considered a ghost if I accidentally like hit something and I don't want to scare people. <laughs> people think I'm a dead person and I'm in ghost form, but I'm really just invisible. Um, this one's fun. The visual I'm getting with this have a pig nose or have elephant ears. (laughs) Oh my God. Myself with a pig nose or with elephant ears. (laughs) I don't know. I think this one, I got to go with the elephant ears, like just floppy. You could, I imagine you can hear well and I don't hear well right now. Um, I don't really care about smelling more things. <laughs> I live in New York city. I don't need better, a better schnoz. I don't know. I feel like maybe a pig nose could be cute. So I'll probably go with pig nose. Cause the elephant ears, I can't accessorize big old floppers. That's fair. Or you could get a lot of piercings on your ears. If you have elephant ears, you could. Yeah, I think I just like the voluminous nature of them. <laughs> I'm always trying to make my hair bigger, but then I'd have these huge ears and I could just be like, that could be the, the solve for me. <laughs> All right, last one. Have a time machine or have a teleporter? Mm. Ooh. This one, again, I think is easy for me, but I want to hear what you think. I would choose... Time machine. Okay. Why time machine? Because I think that I would be curious about what the future looks like. I would want to experience certain decades in the past for sure. And I feel like maybe with a time machine, it could also transport you to different locations. Yeah. I think that's obviously the pro, right? Like you get to go to uh, different decades that you didn't, weren't at. So if there was music that you love or, you know, whatever you could go and check out that culture in that time. You could also see what's going to happen in the future. Um, I think though, at least what I've seen in movies, which we all know how accurate movies are time machines, like are very tricky because, um, you can fuck up things. If you True. go in the past and touch anything and then, Oh, and I would a hundred percent fuck shit up. Oh, 100%. I think I like the idea of teleporter only because, um, I don't like how long travel takes sometimes. I would mm. love to just be like, all right, I want to go to London and it takes five minutes, you know, or mm. less. I see that. But the downside with that, again, movies and TV shows explain that like with teleportation, you're like, it's like your cells dissolve and then come back together. So you're like 
<laughs> not really yourself. Like you're kind of like recreating yourself every time you teleport, which I don't know how much yeah. your body can take of that. So very risky for both, but I think I'd be down to like, you know, I could just teleport to your house. Or I could teleport to true different, you know, family events or whatever. And I wouldn't have to worry about flying or I feel like teleportation is more convenient in a day-to-day life situation. Whereas if I were to time travel, like I'm not going to time travel all the time. Maybe I'll plan it like a vacation, but, um, (laughs) yeah, no, I get that. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. Um, yeah, well, I think that was awesome. It was very silly. The the title of it lived up, but yeah, that does it for uh, this week's episode and this segment of this or that. Um, if you would like to send us some booze, food, or other fun things, or reach out to us with episode ideas, feedback, or comments, you can email us at two girls one murder at gmail.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram at two girls one murder to stay up to date on episode releases and other fun content another episode in the book solani woo (laughs) we'll see you guys next time cheers bye